So last week we began this series, Family Vacation. And we started out last week and we were kind of looking how that um, not only our kids, but our grandkids and even sometimes our neighbor's kids will look to us to be able to learn or for us to kind of be able to educate them on, on what's going on in life. And, you know, well, the one thing we know is, unfortunately, in today's society, there's too many kids being raised without parents. You know, the parents are absent. The, they're not involved in the kids' lives. And so they're relying on TikTok and Facebook and YouTube to figure out what is real in life. And unfortunately, what they see isn't what the real world is made of. It's what they think it may be. And, you know, as we talked about last week, that even the way that God used Abraham's family, he can use us. He can use us to make a difference in someone's life. You know, we just need to open up our hearts and open our ears that we can hear them and to actually have those conversations to help them to grow and be better kids, to be better adults. But I also talked about, you know, y'all remember them vacations. I was kind of chuckling. You know, them vacations where things aren't just going right. You know those vacations when you're with your family and you're kind of wishing you weren't with your family? You know, because you've had it about up to here with the family already and it's only like day two of the vacation? And, and you know, we, we get all this strife and we get all this, I need vacation from my vacation. Well, I need a vacation from my family because they're just too, uh, I just need to get away. Well, have any of you ever had those, one of those vacations when you've got your kids with you and you're like, say you had Disney, so the most wonderful place on earth, so they say. Or yes, SeaWorld, or maybe you went down to the Keys and you've been hanging out at the beach, or maybe you went up to Hilton Head, South Carolina, and you've been on the beach, wherever it may be, and, and you know, summertime's here, so it's hot. And it's hot and you're kind of tired. And then your kid pulls that famous lay on the ground, stomping feet crying. I'm not going. Just take me home. Am I the only one who had one of them kids? You know that fit where they're laying on the ground stomping? No, I'm not going. And you start looking around. Now you're kind of getting embarrassed because you're like, you want to snatch them up and be like, hey, you're showing out here. I'm going to give it to you right here. But then you're worried about being embarrassed because all the people there and you're in Disney and you think if you pick your kid up and unload on them right then and there, the Disney police are going to take you to jail. You know what I'm talking about? So, so I, I always had the same reaction to that with my kids as I'd look them dead in their face as they were acting out. And I said, you can go ahead and stay here and do what you're going to do but I'm heading to the car and maybe someone else will pick you up and be nice to you. And I turn and walk away and I'd normally get 10, 20 feet away. And what would I hear? <laughs> Y'all know that, right? Some of us may have been the ones doing that, you know, and they start following behind you. So, you know, you get in there and you are just waiting to get to the car. Cause man, there's some discipline going to happen when they get in that car, right? You ain't got to worry about the people around you. You know, oh, you're getting disciplined when we get here. And you want to go home? Fine, I'm taking you home, home. Vacation's over. 
I'm going to take the rest of vacation by myself away from my family. But we've all been there, and we've all seen that, and we all have those kids who sometimes act up. And, and I think it's interesting. I remember the first time I said it as an adult, and I started laughing because I heard it said to me as a kid when I went to discipline my child, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And I started chuckling because I can't believe it came out of my mouth because I never understood it as a kid. And then I actually said it, and I think it was just something that was ingrained in me to say it. And I got thinking, it's really not going to hurt me. Maybe hurt my hand a little bit, but it ain't going to hurt me any. But, but I think one of the things as we look at this, is, and we got to take that time to look into God's Word, is we're going to find out that God is the best model for parenting, and He disciplines us for our good and for His glory. And likewise, I think we need to look at that we must offer grace-filled discipline to our children, even if it isn't pleasant at the time. You know those times it isn't pleasant because they've irritated you and you're like, I've had it up to here, and it's time for you to get it. But I think sometimes we've got to have that grace involved in it. And I know I failed as a parent, but that's okay. I'm doing better as a grandparent. So... If you, have, if you have your Bible, we're going to dig into what God's Word says. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, going to be in verses 5 through 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one uh, in the back of the pew in front of you. But as always, it will also be up here on the screen. And today I'm actually going to read a different translation of the Bible than what I normally read um, because I kind of like the way this flows in, in this different version. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own child, as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you are not really his children at all. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best that they know how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No di discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, Lord, we just ask that you open up our eyes that we may see what it is you want us to see. Open our hearts that we may receive what it is you have for us. Lord, may my words be your words, and may your name be glorified. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you see, there seems to be this common misconception that, you know, hey, well, if you discipline your kid, they're going to hate you. You know, and it's this common misconception. Well, I don't want to be the bad parent. I don't want to be the bad guy. I want them to be my friend because we're friends instead of being that parent figure. And ultimately, that totally goes against what God's Word says. It totally goes against the way God disciplines us, so it goes away 
from the way we should actually treat our own kids. See, God loves us perfectly. His love is perfect for us, and he still disciplines us. He disciplines us so that we may become more holy. He disciplines us when we do wrong. He disciplines us when, when we're not on the right path. But he disciplines us for our own good so that we can learn and that we can be more obedient to him and have more of a life, obedient life in, in results of our obedience. And last week I talked about Ted Tripp. He wrote the book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. And as I was looking at it again, he wrote this, and I just thought it fit perfect with today. It says, if you focus exclusively on either the rod or communication, you will be like a ship with all the cargo loaded on one side. You won't sail very well. Communication and the rod are not standalone methods. They're designed to work together. And this is the point of Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 6. Your children need to be known and understood, thus rich communication is necessary, but they also need authority. They need limits that are clear and correction that is predictable, thus the rod is also necessary. So how do we make sure we discipline out of love? How do we make sure it's not out of a bad day or anything else? And I think first and foremost, we got to look at the grace that God has given us. Look at the grace that he's given us. Look at the love that he's given us. And even during a time of discipline against us, we've still seen his grace and we've still seen his love. And, and understand, you know, uh, us, unfortunately, as Christians, we get caught up in that Christian view. Oh, why do bad things happen to me? Why is there pain in my life? Why am I suffering, Lord? Y'all know, you've heard them, right? Some of you may have said them in a time or two. You know, you, know, you start asking, why is there persecution, testing, and trials, and sickness? Why is all this stuff here? And, and then we start asking, well, maybe God's angry with me. Maybe he's displeased with what I'm doing, or, or maybe it's just happen chance. Maybe it just so happened that that's the way the dice fell that day, and maybe that's why I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with. You know, and, but, of course, the question should always be, how should we react? What should our reaction be when we're in them dark times of God's grace? When we're being disciplined for something that we've done. And, and these verses teach us that it's all part of the education process of God. It's all part of him educating us. And, and, and although, understand, it doesn't come from God, but he allows it. It doesn't come from him, but he allows it to happen. And then while it's happening, he'll turn, he'll pluck you out of it, and he'll pull you out of it to show his love and his mercy. But hopefully during that process, you've learned something. You know, you look at Job, it wasn't from God, but God allowed it to happen to Job because it was ultimately for his good and for the blessing of others. And I think sometimes we forget about that. See, there's nothing that happens out of chance for a Christian. If we're following what God's word calls us to do, Nothing happens by chance. It's not a coincidence. It's not like, hey, three conspiracy theorist people came into a bar. You don't think that was a coincidence, was it? You know, it's going crazy like, no. It doesn't happen just because. It all happens for a reason. But ultimately, we try and put this other, 
about how come or why this or why that, instead of taking that time to look at ourselves and look at maybe what we're doing and what we're not doing that's causing us to be disciplined at the time. And ultimately, when we receive that discipline, it's generally because we have done something. You know, ultimately, just like when we were kids, we got in trouble ultimately because we did something wrong. Although we tried to blame it on our sisters or our brothers, ultimately it come back to, well, you did something wrong. Or you would get the old-fashioned, well, I'm going to beat all of you till you tell me who, who tells me who did it. So then everyone in the household gets beat because one person didn't do it. And, and I see some brothers back there shaking their heads, so I'm assuming that happened quite often in one household. But even when you read in Proverbs chapter 3, it says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. And see, unfortunately, when we read these words of disciplining or chastening or chastising, you know, we think of it as a punishment. We, we think of it as a whipping. We think of it as drawing the belt, getting a switch, they're getting a whooping. If you're getting disciplined, you're in trouble. But here it's more of a training and an education. And I think even as, as uh, Christians and growing up, I think we miss the education process of discipline. We generally don't see the education process of it till later in life when we start realizing, man, I'm glad my parents stopped me from doing that. Man, I'm glad they stopped me from hanging out with so-and-so because they've been in jail for the last 22 years. I would have been right there with them. Man, I'm glad they didn't let me go to that party. Dude, it was on the news. The cops showed up and everyone got arrested. But see, we don't think about it at the time. A lot of the time at, at, when it happens, we start thinking, oh, they just don't like me. I can't wait till I'm 18 and get to move out. I can't wait till I'm able, 17, when I join the Marine Corps, I'm gone. I'm out of here. Also, and then I realized how much mom knew. And, and you look back, and once you have your own kids, you start realizing that you're kind of like your own parents. And, and then you really understand it's an education, that you're trying to educate them and trying to mold them and, and, and trying to train them up in what is right. We need to understand the same thing in our life and understand that Proverbs just. Uh, this passage in Proverbs distinctly states that God's discipline is proof of his love. It's a proof of his love for us because he don't want us to go down the wrong path. He doesn't want us to end up doing something we shouldn't be doing. He loves us that much, and he wants us to understand that we're never going to escape his discipline. When we do something wrong, something is going to happen but we need to remain submissive to that discipline of God because that's how we're going to grow. That's how we're going to become more holy. It says, for your holiness. So as we're disciplined by God, we're going to, it actually helps us to become more holy or more like him because it's removing evil ways from us. And as it separates those evil ways, we ultimately end up becoming more and more like Jesus in our life.
I think we need to also understand that when that testing comes to us, it, you know, it's, it's for a reason. You know, and a lot of times we don't know the reason at the time until we look back at it. But understand, a, a, a gardener doesn't prune thistle, but he does prune the grapevines. Not going to prune weeds. You're only going to prune something that grows. And, and as we're pruned and during that time of, of that pruning, it may hurt. It may hurt during that time. We may... We may wonder, where's God during that time? We may wonder what's going on. We may start doubting ourselves and our own beliefs. But then through that pruning comes growth. And through that growth becomes new life. And through that new life becomes change. And change continues to grow and grow. And we become what? More like him, which is what we're called to do. And, you know, most of us have experienced discipline from our human parents. If you didn't receive it from your human parents, I'm sorry. But boy, I got my share. And you know, it's funny, I never interpreted getting discipline from my parents as them hating me. Yeah, I never really looked at it that way, maybe for a second. But then understand that realization of, well, yeah, I did do it. Well, yeah, I probably deserved it. You know, and and being raised by a single mom, it was whatever she got her hand on, wire, hanger, belt. She could throw a shoe around the corner. You thought you got away, and all of a sudden that shoe would come around the corner and hit you. Yeah, I remember, I, think, I always say the worst beating I ever got, I was like 16 years old. And yeah, I was a typical 16-year-older, and my mom was getting on me, and my mom was, you know, five foot nothing. And I pushed a footstool in front of her. And I said, well, Mom, you may want to get on that before you discipline me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I said that. Mom started laughing. I started laughing. I thought, hey, I got away with it. And I sat down in the chair. And as soon as I sat down in that chair, boom, it was on. <laughs> but it, it, I never thought it was out of hate. I never thought she hated me. You know, maybe as a little kid, but as I got older, I realized it was for my good. And just as God disciplines us for our good and for his glory, we as parents do the same thing. We want our kids to understand it's, it's for their own welfare. And sometimes it takes that education process so that they know which way to go. If you think about here in the Word, it says that Fathers only discipline their kids for a short period of time. We as parents have elementary, middle, and high school to discipline our kids and teach them the way. And by high school, you might as well forget it because they're not listening to you anyways. But we have just that short time to be able to teach them. And if we can't teach them in that time, guess what? They're probably not going to be teachable anyways. And they're going to learn it through the you know, school of hard knocks. But during that time, it's only that short time, but yet God will discipline us our entire life. Our entire life from the time where we first accept him all the way up to the day before, you know, until we meet him face to face. He has the ability to discipline us so that we can continue to become more like him. As he shows that love and as he shows that encouragement to us, Sometimes it hurts. 
But we need to respect that training of our Heavenly Father because He did, you know, we, we, we look at ourselves and the discipline that we've given our kids. It's far from perfect, as I said last week. None of us are perfect. We're not perfect as individuals, and we're definitely not perfect as parents. But God's love is perfect. His wisdom is perfect. Everything about his, him is perfect, and we may not see it at the time. We see him as being perfect, but it is perfect. God is never going to discipline us on the whim. Think about that. We will never be disciplined on the whim from God. You ever been disciplined on the whim by a parent? They just had that bad day, and all of a sudden you, they walked in the house and there was a dirty dish and the dishes were supposed to be clean or you didn't take out the trash and something you didn't have your homework done, something that you thought was so little and it was on. All of a sudden it was on. You're like, but uh, it was just a piece of, you know, a little speck on a dish because unfortunately us as humans, our emotions sometimes take over. And, and, and then sometimes when they take over, we, we discipline when we shouldn't. We're not perfect, but God is perfect. His love is perfect. His wisdom is perfect. And he does this so that we may seek him and be partakers in his holiness. I wish sometimes looking back that maybe my mom or my stepfather disciplined me to partake in holiness instead of partaking in what I was doing instead that caused me to get whooped. In his book, Life, Life in the Heights, Studies of the Epistles, writer and pastor J.H. Jowett actually says this. The purpose of God's chastening is, is not punitive by create, but creative. He chastens that we may share his holiness. The phrase that we may share has direction in it, and the direction points towards a purified and beautified life. The fire which is kindled is not a bonfire blaming Blazing heedlessly and unguardedly and consuming precious things, it's a refiner's fire. And the refiner sits by it, and he is firmly and patiently and gently bringing holiness out of carelessness and stability out of weakness. God is always creating, even when he is using the darker means of grace. He is producing the fruits and flowers of the Spirit. His love is always in quest of lovely things. Now, I think we all know that at the time, discipline seems painful. It seems like it's hurting. However, you know, we, we're looking at that righteousness that comes out of it. And I honestly think if there wasn't that time of discipline from God, some of us would have some very uninteresting testimonies. But I think through discipline, you actually get some testimonies like this. Theologian Leslie Weatherford said this, Like all men, I love and prefer the sunny uplands of experience, where health, happiness, and success abound. But I have learned far more about God and life and myself in the darkness of fear and failure than I ever learned in the sunshine. There are such things as the treasures of darkness, the darkness, thank God, passes, but what one learns in the darkness, one possesses forever. And Spurgeon actually said this, 
I'm afraid that all the grace I have got out of my comfortable and easy times and happy hours might almost lie on a penny. But the good that I have received from my sorrows and pains and griefs is altogether incalculable. What do, what do I not owe to the hammer and the anvil, the fire and the fire? Affliction is the best bit of furniture in my house. So I'm sure each one of us can tell a story about when we've been disciplined by God. When we've been in that darkness of his grace and he's pulled us out, showing that love. And we can probably go back and tell all about these things that we learned. Because unfortunately, a lot of times we learn more in the valley than we do on the mountaintop. We learn more as we're going through the valley than we do when we're on top of the mountain. And I think it's just human nature because ultimately when we're on top of the mountain, everything is good and we don't seek nothing. We're at the top of our game. Everything's good. Man, I got all my bills paid off. My, my house don't have no leaks. I got nothing. Man, it, life is just great. Seems pretty easy that way, right? Do you really learn when it's like that? Or how about, man... Inflation's going up, lost my job, I got bills to pay, I got all this going on, uh, I haven't been to church, I, I haven't been doing what I should be doing, and, and my life is just falling apart. And, and then all of a sudden you start to look up and you start taking that time with God and you start praying, you start asking, and you start moving forward instead of just sitting there in this heap of of I'm not going to give up, woe's me, woe's me. You start walking in his love. You start walking in his grace. And you start to see things come better and better in your life. And you're able to look back and go, man, you know what that darkness did to me? You know where I am today? Because I remember where I was over here. I remember when I was being chastened. I remembered when I was being disciplined. But man, look at me now. I'm doing that much better. It don't mean I won't be back over there someday. I might be back over there for something different. I learned from this one, but I may be back. And that's exactly what God does with us. He allows it to happen to us because of our own means. You know, most of us grew up in a house, you think about it. Most of us grew up a time our dads worked and moms stayed at home. So moms did all the teaching and the discipline in the, in the household. You know, some of you don't remember them days. <laughs> some of you was always both parents working. Um, but, but you sit there, and then what would happen is the dad would come home, and, you know, dad would be told, oh, little Johnny did this and this, and, and then dad wouldn't really do anything because mom had to discipline, and dad wanted to be the good father. Oh, I want to be the good dad. Well, you should have handled it while I was gone. Then, of course, on the other end of the spectrum, you got the dad who comes in the house or the mom saying, you wait till your dad gets home. And dad come through that door, you heard him pull up and you heard mom saying, today, Ken, did, 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 did. And you heard that. Whoosh. You, you, it's like you heard every belt loop get hit by that belt. You know, so you had it from both ends. You had dads who wouldn't discipline because, 
hey, you were home with it, you should have dealt with it when they did, or dads who took it to the other extreme and would come home and it was on. It was on and they, you know, it's just, here it comes. But then unfortunately you had the other end of it, what we would call in divorce care, the Disney parent. So you get both parents trying to be the friend. So neither parent disciplines. And then what they try and do is try and be, I always call them the Disney dads. You know, the Disney dads, I only get my kids every other weekend, so I'm going to buy them whatever they want, and I'm going to let them do whatever they want, and then I'm going to send them home and let their mom deal with it. But then the same thing in life, you get parents who do that, neither one of them want discipline, or they try and make it out to be, well, that's the bad parent. Remember, I'm the good one. And they pits the parents against each other. And unfortunately, we've seen that inside life today where everyone wants to be their friend instead of their parent, instead of being the authority figure in a kid's life, they let the authority figures come from out on the street. Or then when they get in trouble in school, they want to know why that, oh, well, how come you disciplined my kid? Because you didn't. And because you didn't discipline your kid, we now have to deal with it in school. But little Johnny's been a good boy his whole life. You know? Well, then you get the other thing, and it drives me absolutely nuts. Yeah, it's a short dialogue. I caught that. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Mike. If you don't do your chores today, uh -oh. <laughs> they're not done when I get home. You're going to get it, young man. <laughs> then I come home. Mike, did you do your chores? Nope. Didn't I tell you to do your chores? Why, yes, but I was, okay, well, you better make sure you get them done tomorrow. Y'all know some parents like that, right? You, you lay out this, you need to do this, or this is going to happen, but then the or this never happens. You know, uh, I, I've seen it, and I'm just like shaking my head like, dude, I wouldn't believe you. You, you the kid ain't done it three days in a row and you haven't laid anything on him. It's so funny, like my son Dalton, Dalton got to the point where, you know, I used to he'd get in trouble, I'd take his Xbox from him. So I'd come home and the Xbox would be sitting on the dining room table. I'm like, oh, well, this apparently doesn't work anymore. Because <laughs> he just put it on the table. So what I would do is I'd go out and I'd say, nope, give me the TV. I want your TV and I want the cord to your stereo system and give me your phone. You can have the Xbox in your room all you want, but you ain't got a TV that you can watch DVDs on. You can't watch TV. You're not going to be on your phone and you're not listening to any music. That was a wake-up call. All of a sudden it was like, yeah, hey, I could go a couple days without playing my video game, you know, because he could play it on his phone or do whatever. So I had to change what he was, the discipline that came with it. Because sometimes it kind of gets mundane. Okay, well, here you go. You know, kind of like the old-fashioned, you know, hey, oh, you're going to spank me? Okay. You know, when I got older, I'd be like, okay, Mom, go ahead. <laughs> Ain't going to hurt me none. Yeah, it's going to hurt you more than it hurts me because I got stuff in my back pockets now. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> You know, wearing extra underwear, extra clothes underneath. I was from South Florida, man. We didn't put on any extra clothes. It was always too hot. Uh, up north, you could get away with that. Put on a whole 
snow parka. <laughs> Up there in Iowa, y'all could have on 19 layers of clothes. <laughs> so, but we got to understand, I think there needs to be a balance and there needs to be some consistency that goes into this. And, and, and going back at what Ted Tripp said in his book, it says, if you focus exclusively on either the rod or communication, you will be like a ship with all the cargo loaded on one side. You won't sail very well. Communication and the rod are not standalone methods. They're designed to work together. So I think we need to understand there needs to be that balance. That balance between communication and, and, and the rod. And, and it needs to be a balance between discipline and love. Just as God does for us, he demonstrates his balance with us. And I think we need to demonstrate that same balance with those in our life. Like I said at the beginning, God is the best model for parenting. He is the best model for parenting, and he disciplines us for our good and for his glory. And remember, we got to put our, we must offer grace-filled discipline to our children, even our grandchildren, even if it's not pleasant at the time. Be that grace-filled doing what we're called to do. And there's one other point in this scripture that really caught me when I said it, when I was reading it. If he does not discipline you, you're an illegitimate child. And I got to thinking about how each of us at one point were illegitimate children because we didn't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So God wouldn't discipline us because we weren't his children. God disciplines his children. And maybe you sit here and say, man, well, I don't want that discipline. <clears throat> if you've been disciplined by your parents, you've been disciplined. Most of us have been disciplined at work. You know, you get a verbal warning, a written warning, two-day suspension, all that good stuff. Throughout time, we've been disciplined by our parents, by bosses, and by everyone else. And it's never been perfect. God's discipline is perfect. It's perfect for us to glorify him, that we can become more like him. And maybe you're here in the room or with us for church online, and, and you're saying, well, pastor, I, I'm not getting disciplined because... I'm one of them illegitimate children. I've never accepted Jesus. And I've never accepted God to be my heavenly father. And pastor, you just don't know, man, because I'm, I'm messed up. I'm dealing with so much in my life right now that there's no way Jesus would accept me. He accepted a thief on a cross. He accepted everyone who's in this room. He's accepted people for over 2,000 years just the way they are. Just the way they are. God's word says we all fail and we all short, fall short of the glory of God. So guess what? You're in good company. If you're falling short of the glory of God, so do we. But it says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's what it comes down to. 
It comes down to accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, believing that God did raise him from the dead, and you're saved. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, everything's going to change. It could. You could accept Jesus today, never drink, never smoke, never sin again in your life. Could happen. Chances of it happening, pretty slim to none, and slim went out the back door. Because we're still going to mess up. We're still in this sinful flesh. Our family and our friends are still going to be messed up. The difference is we will be the ones being changed. We'll be being changed from the inside out. As he changes our heart, he changes our, our thoughts, he changes what we look to do in life. He will change us so that we can then be part of the change in our family and in our circumstances. But it all starts with a simple belief and then becomes the obedience of doing what his word calls you to do. That's where it becomes hard. That's where you will meet that discipline of the Lord. But that's when you will know that he loves you that much. When you receive his discipline for doing what goes against his word and against his will. We need to be open and honest with ourselves when we're going through those times and seek him even more. Hey, we took discipline from our parents. Shouldn't we be willing to take discipline from our Father in heaven, our creator, the one that we're going to spend eternity with, that we can't wait to see face to face and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I would rather hear that than depart from me. I do not know you. So I want to encourage you, if you do not know him, make it today. Today is the day of salvation. You can come up. I'll be off to the side during this final song. We can pray about it. And you can ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Well, maybe you've been sitting back and you've been feeling that discipline from God and you're fighting it the same way we fought our parents' discipline. It's okay. You can take it away. I'm still going to do what I want. Understand, if you're not listening to what God calls you to do, it means he might have to take a little more severe measure. I don't think I want to take more severe measure from God in the discipline of me. I didn't like more severe measures from my parents in disciplining me. I definitely don't want God to discipline me more severe than he already has to. So maybe you just need to come up here, either right where you're sitting or come up to the altar and have that conversation with him to be obedient to what he calls you to do. Because remember, each one of us can look back and probably see that we've learned more in the darkness of grace than we have in the light of grace. We've learned more in the valley than on the mountaintop. Amen? Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your discipline. Lord, it's not usual that someone will thank you for discipline. But Lord, we thank you for it because it is perfect just as you are perfect. And Lord, it's more of that training or that education process for us 
so that we can become more like you and less like the person we used to be. So Lord, may you open our eyes to that discipline you bring into our lives. May we learn from it and move on from it so that we can come become more like you and continue to tell more people about you. And Lord, I just ask that you continue to be with us as a church and that we will continue to seek you and that we will continue to seek to advance your kingdom. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.